Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Hey, Branches. Sorry, but the first minute of the podcast was unable to be recorded. Here we go about a minute in. I had no idea that when you're getting married, you don't ever think of that. You don't look at this kind of a passage and, and that doesn't cross your mind. But I knew I was getting married. I knew the, the, a piece of the immensity of it. And I also knew that I wasn't better than the men that had gone before me. And so I pulled aside. Uh, there were two people. Actually, is the other guy here? No, he's not. See, there were two people that married us, and then the other guy that married us just started coming to church here because he lives down the street, but he's not here, so we will put that on his file um, that he is not here. <laughs> but the other guy that uh, married us, Dana Walling, is, is a huge mentor in my life, and I shared this with him. I shared my fear, and he said something so profound that I've shared it ever since to others. He said, if you weren't afraid of the commitment you're making, then you really wouldn't understand what marriage is. And that's always stuck with me. Because marriage is, it's, it's a big deal. And Jesus actually says something about marriage that will catch us off guard as we start going deeper into this. Um, so that's where I want to draw our attention to. I want to draw our attention to the immensity of this, it, it's called a sacrament. A sacrament means it's a, it's one of the holy things of God. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's called to marriage, but it is something that is set aside. Um, so we're going to jump into that. Um, we've already started here in Matthew 5, but someone else said something about marriage that I think is a good preface, a good starting point for us to jump off. Um, I was actually in Africa on my way to uh, Zambia to meet my friends who are here, um, I'll let you figure out who they may be. But uh, as I was going to visit with them, I was at my other friend's house in Malawi, and he had this book, and I opened it up, and it was, it was he, he's 80-something he's now, so his books are old. And so they're not the youngest hip books, but there was such depth in them. And one was on marriage, and it said that kids should never get married. Let that sink in. Obviously, he's not saying, he's talking about maturity. Marriage is not for kids. It's for people that understand the intensity, the immensity of what it is. And so, I've had the privilege of walking with people uh, before they get married, when they're married, unfortunately, many times after they're married. And I see this pattern where a lot of people, it doesn't matter their actual age, because when we talk about kids never getting married, it has nothing to do with age. I just see these stories that I don't think match up with God's view of marriage. Um, one, there was a, a woman, I was sitting with her and her husband in my office, this was years ago, and um, they're holding hands, and we really need to talk. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. They came in, they're holding hands, and she said, well, I've met somebody. And I'm looking, and they're still holding hands. And I said, okay. 
And she said, I believe that God has led me to this man. She's still holding hands with her husband. She's not talking about her husband. She's talking about this other man on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. And she says, I, I feel like God has ordained this and this is the person I'm supposed to be with. And at the moment, I'm just wanting to jump up and go, what? But too often we jump to conclusions and, and especially as, as Christians, we speak instead of listening. So I kept listening and the more she was talking, I'm like, this is, this is not from God. I said, I don't know what voice you're hearing, but God would not call you to leave your husband for another man. That's not God. That, that's something else, but that's not God's voice. You need to know that's not from him. I mean, this is what Aristotle said about adultery. He said, and really he's talking about marriage. He said, there's never the right person or the right time or the right way to have an affair. This is Aristotle. <laughs> he said, it's simply wrong. At another uh, man, and he was talking about his wife. And trust me, there's so many stories, it's hard to figure out which one. And so many of these stories blend together because it's a common theme. And he said, you know, I just don't think I really am having as much fun. I'm not in love with my wife anymore. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I was hoping for something different. And I, I think it's just not working for me. And he's saying that while his wife's there. This is common. This is normal. What the woman felt and what the man felt, those are common experiences. So it's not as if we're crazy for having these thoughts or these ideas. And Jesus, when he addresses this, is not really talking about divorce or adultery. He's focusing on what marriage is. And if we know what marriage is, then it makes the other things make more sense. Now, although I've seen craziness, um, there's also been so much beauty. To see a young couple, a middle-aged couple, an elderly couple, to get married and to see their excitement and Although I've married them at all different ages, the younger couples, they think it's like Christmas. They're like, yeah, like they're gonna open up their Xbox and here it is and there's like, it's just there, it's this gift and I get to ha finally have this gift. And as is most often the case, unless this younger couple has moved outside of being a kid, if they've, if they've matured, then they kind of know what they're getting themselves into. Then as they're moving into this idea of marriage, the more mature ones will go, oh, there'll be, there'll be this sense of trepidation. Not that they don't want to get married, but they go, oh, this is a big deal. But the ones that haven't quite understood are like, no, we're going to be great. We never fight. Everything is going to be fantastic. Like, marriage is beautiful, but it's hard. And when People are getting married, sometimes middle-aged or sometimes even elderly, and they don't quite understand what they're getting themselves into. If they don't understand that it's beautiful, but it's hard, then I'm concerned. I've also um, seen the beautiful picture of men in the same position as me. As everything, 
everything's set up, the chairs are out, the flowers are out, the DJ's finally got the sound going, and we're just about to walk out, because usually it's, it's me and the, the groom, and then maybe the guys, that's always up for grabs, depending on the family's uh, desires. But as we're getting ready to walk out, you can just see them going, Sometimes it's just from the public speaking aspect of it. They don't want to be in front of anybody, but so often it's beautiful because they realize, I'm really doing this. Like, this is a big deal. This isn't like just going shopping for a pair of shoes, and if they don't work out, you bring them back to Nordstrom's. You don't even need to have the tag. No, it's not like that. They understand that, and there's something so beautiful about that picture. It's a beautiful picture when the... the the father of the bride is walking down or whoever happens to stand in for the father of the bride and when they understand that they are handing over this woman, they understand the significance. I always have to tell the men, you need to, you need to interact with this dad because this is a big deal to him because he gets it. <laughs> he's taking his precious daughter and he's entrusting her to you. So this isn't just shake his hand and then grab her. No, no, no. This is a big deal and you have to honor this holy moment because he gets it. He understands what's happening here. He's entrusting his daughter to you. Um, I, I witnessed a woman whose, uh, her fiance uh, became disabled, severely disabled. And of course, know, people around her, were you still going to get married? She goes, why wouldn't I? Of course I will. And they got married and they had children and he passed away from this disability. And she walked with him through that entire time. That's what marriage looks like. That's what it's supposed to look like. Um, recently, uh, I got to go to the house of a woman who was dying from cancer. And I had married them a few years earlier. And I don't know their ages. They look so young. It's kind of annoying. I think they were 50s, late 50s maybe. And um, she'd become so frail. And he had set up everything in the house and done everything for them. And he'd, he'd purchased a, a car so they could travel together during her last days. And I got to watch him walk with her all the way till she went home. That's what marriage is supposed to look like. There are beautiful moments, there are sad moments, there's life that happens in between. But what happens is we lose sight of what marriage really is. And that's not a new thing. That's been going on for centuries because sometimes we just don't want to hear what we don't want to hear. And so Jesus is addressing that. Jesus is addressing this in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you can... Uh, can you move forward to verse 31 of Matthew chapter 5? And Jesus says, it has been said. Now remember we talked about this last week in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says it has been said, notice he doesn't say it is written. Now this is actually written, but he's emphasizing that we take God's teaching and we tweak it and twist it to fit our needs. And even religious leaders will tweak it and twist it to match. And so he says, it has been said by your religious teachers, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. 
But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now here's the problem with us. As we hear this, we're like, okay, so when can I divorce? Or wait, is, okay, so sexual immorality, that's bad, but nothing else? Okay, so we're, we're trying to piece this together and say, how am I supposed to operate? That's not what Jesus is trying to get across. He's not trying to focus on the behavior as much as he's trying to focus on the heart. Remember when he's talking about adultery? It's not that you actually had a, a physical movement. It's in the heart. Anyone who lusts after another other than their spouse has committed adultery in their heart. He's dealing with heart issues here. He's focusing on the heart of what marriage is. And if we get lost in that, we start focusing on, wait, is this okay? Is that not okay? Because that's how this even came about. Because he knew what was in people's hearts. This comes from, um, you, we always have to look at the passages in context. I know you get tired of me saying that, but I keep hammering it home because I want us to always look at it on our own. And in Deuteronomy, there's a lot of teaching in there on marriage. And you would, you would, you would assume that you would know how these people would approach marriage. You would think they'd be much more conservative than us. But they're not. And that's why Jesus is addressing this. In fact, um, in Deuteronomy, uh, it, it teaches that there is paperwork. Do you know that? That God, in Deuteronomy, gave people paperwork so they could have a divorce. So this is important to understand. Nowhere in the word of God is divorce prohibited. I know you don't, you're not used to hearing that, but it's in Deuteronomy, and Jesus even deals with it here. He gives a, he gives a condition. That doesn't mean that's the only condition, but he's, he's not focusing on divorce. So if you get caught up on, wait, we can have divorce, is that okay? Focus on what marriage is supposed to be, because that's his intent here. In fact, the people had so moved off of what marriage was that um, there were rabbis, even schools, one, uh, the school of Hillel, that permitted divorce for every reason. This is like, this is in the conservative days. Uh, another rabbi, um, his name was Akaba, even allowed divorce if the husband merely saw a woman whose appearance pleased him better and he wanted her as wife instead of the wife he had. Just make sure that you do all the correct paperwork. That's how the people are approaching this. And Jesus says, just prior to this, look, I'm not getting rid of the law, but you weren't ready for the heart of it. This is the heart of what marriage is. You've heard it said, meaning you've had people like the school of Hillel, you've had this certain rabbi give you all of these consumer mentality approaches to marriage, but it's bigger than that. It's holier than that. It's more valuable than that. I mean, if you look at the passage we were just looking at, he's just talking to a man. In this culture, at this time, a woman knew that she could be divorced for any reason at any time. That is ridiculous. And yet everyone, oh, that sounds about right. So for us to really understand this passage, what Jesus is teaching, 
I think it's important for us to look at somewhere else where Jesus kind of expands. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, then you can go to this passage, Matthew 19. Because Jesus is expanding on what he's trying to teach about marriage. So some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Again, this is common. This is a common approach, right? Okay, where's the line? We always do that. Is this okay? Can I divorce here? I have people all the time because I'm a pastor. I think I have the answers to all the times that they should get married. And especially, can we get divorced? Is this okay? Does this fit the rule? What paperwork should I do? So again, you have Pharisees coming asking the exact same question. Okay, Jesus, then when is it lawful? Is it for any and every reason? Jesus says, haven't you read, written, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? You've probably heard this at weddings before. If you've been to a wedding I've done, most often I bring this up. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Now, as we've shared before um, about marriage at this time, the man lived with his wife, but not until he left his family because they, the dudes would never launch. You know, nowadays, like, guys start growing up. You're like, okay, you ready to move out yet? You ready to move out? You, no, you're moving out. And parents have to kick them out or the dad has to kick them out, or the mom, or the single parent has to kick them out of the house because they're not ready to go. Well, it was understood that the man would stay with his family until he got married. And they would build on to the house. So it wasn't, okay, you go find a place, go rent a place, something that fits you. No, they would build on to the existing house where his family was. So the woman would have to leave her family and move into this house on the addition, the renovated addition. And so he would work on that. That's why you had the engagement period. Mainly the engagement period was like, oh gosh, we got to finish building our place to live. So they'd build this space. Then they would have the wedding ceremony where they would walk around and they would finish at the doorstep of the house. Then they would enter in and they'd have party for 10 days. So when it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Have you ever tried to, have you ever had little pets? And you're like, oh, that is such a cute little hamster. That's such a cute little fish. I wish I had two of them. Have you ever tried to rip them apart to have two? It's ridiculous, right? You don't take something that's living and pull it apart. Jesus is bringing their hearts back to Genesis saying, when someone is married, they're one. We have a ceremony that we often do because we're in Southern California um, it used to be in Jewish tradition that they would take salt from each family because it was so valuable. And they would bring them together and then they would start them off with their own salt because it was a valuable thing to start your family off with. But we're in Southern California. We got salt anytime we need it. But as the idea of uniting the families, often you'll have one family that has sand from their favorite beach and another one that has it from their favorite beach and they'll come together and they'll pour them together. And sometimes um, they'll get really crafty and they'll dye them certain colors. And so when they mix, or if they're from just different beaches with different colors, you can see them mixed. But when they mix, you can never pull them apart. You can try. You can try to pull one grain out. It'll take you a long time. You could eventually come pretty close, but there's always going to be an element of those lives being joined together that can never be separated. 
Jesus is trying to draw them back. You're talking about divorce, but this is what marriage is. Yeah, but my question was about divorce. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you about marriage. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So the people ask a common question about, well, in Deuteronomy, why then did Moses command that a man can give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. So he's sharing this. He's sharing this to the Pharisees, but his disciples are right there. And I don't know if you've ever seen this part before, but this is how the disciples respond. Now, I did the message translation because I think they say it the way we would hear it. Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriage, we're stuck. Why get married? Now, there's a question mark there. That's because Eugene Peterson, who did this translation, put a question mark in. But there's no question mark. One, because they didn't have those punctuation marks. But really, what they're saying is, is why get married? Period. <laughs> like, this is pretty hard. This is difficult. This, they're understanding what Jesus is saying. Oh, wait, so this is, this is a big deal. You could see them start to sweat. Because these are young guys, probably... I mean, you think of Matthew, you think of them, you think of all these disciples, you think of them as old. They're young, and some of them aren't married yet. And some of them are thinking, whoa. And the ones that are married are like, oh. Maybe they're having one of those rough weeks. Maybe they're having one of those rough months. One of those rough years. Maybe they were on their way to church, because that's when the, it really goes down. On the way to something good. But they're saying, whoa, this is, why do this then? This sounds too hard. So you think that Jesus would go, no, 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 it's really important. Everyone should get married, but that's not what he says. But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some, from birth, seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. There is this unfair pressure in our culture, especially in the Christian culture, that everybody's supposed to get married. No, they're not. In fact, Paul later in one of his letters says, I've chosen not to get married. And I'd recommend you don't get married either. In fact, if you're supposed to tilt the scales one way or another, Scripture actually leads us to say, look, if you've got to choose one or the other, it might be easier not to get married. Maybe that's a better choice for you. Some of us, when we're young, just want to get married so bad, and so we, we like the idea of it, but we don't understand what it is. We don't understand the immensity of the decision we're making. Some couples are married, and they're surprised when it's difficult. Jesus is trying to let people know, look, this is hard. This is hard. It's beautiful, but it's going to be a lot of work. Are you ready for this? Count the cost. These disciples are sitting there counting. Should we be doing this? I don't know if I really want to go do this. This is the immensity of marriage. So when Jesus is on the mount, um, in fact, our, our study team from Israel is 
They're in the plane right now and should be getting close to landing in Tel Aviv and they're gonna head up to the Sea of Galilee and be where Jesus taught this. And as Jesus is sharing this, you can see so many of the people stepping back. And some of the crowd just not listening because sometimes you just don't wanna hear what they're saying. You're just there because it's a crowd. But Jesus cares for us. He loves us and he wants us to know what marriage really is. Some of you are married right now and you're like, yeah, this is hard. Don't be surprised. It's beautiful, but it's hard. Some of you were married, maybe widowed, maybe divorced. And you're saying to yourself, oh, and you, you have this guilt surrounding you. Like, I've broken God's law. Everything that Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount is just about impossible. In fact, as, as, as we were singing that song, and sorry, Jaron Hoku, if I could, I'd love for you guys, after the message, to do the song, Give Us Your Heart. Because that's what, that prayer is us saying to God, look, I, I don't have this. I don't, I look at my past, I look at my present, I look at my future like I did when I was talking to Dana, and I said, get married? I've looked at these men who I look up to, these amazing, disciplined, heartfelt men that somehow had affairs. I'm not above them. How am I possibly going to do this? And Dana said, I'm not concerned for you then. If you were all like, whoopee, I'm getting married. I'm going to get to do it. Woohoo! Then I'd be very concerned that you don't understand what marriage is, but you understand that there's more to this. And I'm hopeful that you will depend on the Lord. Because as you look at Jesus' teaching all through, you have to depend on him. This teaching is too hard. He ha we have to have his heart. Lord, give us your heart so that I can live this out. So I'm at the full circle now in my life. Dana was the one that walked with me, and now I get to walk with other couples, whether they be young, middle-aged, older. And one of the things that I always try to do is go through the I do's. Right, because when you go to a wedding ceremony or maybe during your wedding ceremony or maybe what you're planning to do during your wedding time is you, you think of those I do's. Oh, I can't wait to do the I do's. But we don't sit back and think of what they mean. And I love to go through that with couples way before the actual ceremony and say, when you say these, I want to make sure you understand what you're saying. I want to make sure that as I look at you and say, do you take this person to be your spouse, your husband, or your wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, to protect, to provide, to care, to encourage, to support, to stand next to. Hear the words and the circumstances that come after it. So often I say it and they're like, I do. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hear it. I want you to hear it. Don't just jump into it. Hear what this means. In good times or in bad. As I was thinking about that and, and wrestling with that and what that means, good times and bad, before I got married and talking with Dana, I realized the worst thing that could possibly happen would be if Stephanie cheated on me. Talk about good times and in bad. Do I do even if that were to happen? If she were to come back and say, I, I'm sorry, I blew it, I'm here, I'm all yours. I do. I do in good times and in bad. 
for richer or for poor. In our marriage, there's been the rich, there's been the poor, there's been the rich. I mean, you just, it, and even what you think is poor is really rich, and sometimes what you think is rich is really poor. It doesn't get much poorer than when you're wrestling to have children, and you can't have children. Money doesn't seem to matter anymore. That's what it feels like to be poor. In fact, staring at my friend Moffat, I remember he asked me to come and teach at their university, and I was teaching through the book of Acts, and I brought a friend of mine to help, and she was sharing, and she's a single child. So she's from the United States, and she's a single child, and she said, yeah, just my mom and dad and me, and one of the men that was there was one of eight. I mean, you look at around, and many of the families there, that if, if it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and up, and he looked at her, he looked at Paula with such sadness, he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, you don't have any brother, you don't have any brothers or sisters, you don't have that family around you, and he was looking at her like, oh, you're so poor, but not like, oh, you're so poor, he, he felt for her, and this is a guy that is poverty, financially poor, do you, I do for richer, for poor, and now this last one has a completely different meaning to me, do you, I do in sickness and in health? And the most beautiful picture of marriage and I doing in that situation was with my wife. The doctors had told her three times, he gone. He's, he's not going to make it. And she refused to listen to them. She refused to believe them. She instead prayed, but she, I did. <laughs> and she still, I does because she sat there and I remember her holding me, not letting go. Not out of desperation, not like, oh, don't leave me, what am I gonna do? Not out of fear, out of love. She was there because she loved me. She'd made the decision to love me and she was gonna carry on with that promise. Just after this passage, then Jesus talks about oaths. Don't swear on this mountain or by that. Don't swear by this head or that head. These are all idioms, things that they would do to make these big official promises. You need to be so real that your yes means yes and your no means no. Or another way to say that is your I do means I do and I will or then just don't. We're not required to get married, but we need to understand what it is and these people had forgotten the importance of it. Let us not forget what marriage is. And let us also remember what Jesus said when he defined himself to us. He said, I, this is the metaphor he used, I'm the groom and you're the bridesmaid. I am going to die for you. I'm gonna love you, not for what you can give me, but because I've made that decision to love you. That's what marriage is. Don't be surprised when you don't think correctly before you get married, or if you're thinking incorrectly when you're married, or you're divorced and you're going, what, I, I didn't get it. But today is today. And today we have the opportunity to look at God's teaching for what it is. Not worry about, hey, where's the line? When can, what is marriage? And approach it correctly. Let Jesus be our teacher and let us be his students, ones that will follow through with his teaching and put our trust into that. I want to pray for us.
I want to bring up um, the worship team and ask them to audible with uh, that song, Give Us Your Heart. Could you guys stand with me and pray, please? Father, uh, we surrender to you during this entire series of listening to your teaching and realizing that we do need your heart because this is not only foreign to us, but sometimes it just seems against our nature. It's, it's hard to, to not take the easy way out. It's, it's, we've been trained to be shoppers. Um, we get excited when the outlets go in. Father, help us to see marriage the way that you see it. Give us the strength to not get married or give us the strength to get married. But we want to trust you. We want to rely on you and to not think more highly of ourselves than we should. So we surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's take a seat really quick. I'm going to close us out today. Um, as Boog was kind of going through the vows again, and I was thinking about my own. I've been married for about five years now, I think. Four or five? I don't even remember. Um, I don't know if that's bad or not. But um, I was reminded of a verse that we asked to be shared at our wedding, um, John 15, 13. No greater love than this. There's no greater love than this than laying down one life for his friend. And um, who's your best friend more so than your spouse, your husband, or your wife? And um, that is a challenge. It's. I was thinking. It's like as being a man. It's easy. Like yeah, I would die for my wife or I'd die for my family. It's like in like some heroic situation or something like that. But it's really, really hard to lay down your life on a daily basis a lot harder than I realized it would be. And, um, but that's what we're called to. Um, that's the heart that we're asking God to give us because we don't have it ourselves of that self-sacrificial love. Jesus loved us so much that he literally did give his life for us, but um, he sets that example of laying down our lives for those that love us. And again, who better to start doing that than our spouse? Um, I've heard it said, I think Mike Erie I said it in a sermon that I had heard, um, marriage is the greatest example of Christ's love for us that exists on this earth, that of that self-sacrificial love that we have the opportunity to show the world, to show those around us what his love looks like, loving others before ourselves. And... Um, I was challenged in that. I'm going to have a confession here. I uh, put my surfboard in my car this morning, and my wife's actually homesick, and I was going to sneak out and surf after church, but I think I would be better that in sickness and in health. (laughs) (laughs) That I go home and check in with her and try to take care of her before I, um, even though the waves are really good, so, um, but in that, just being, like, I don't know, it's, it's hard, and, but it's beautiful, and, um, we have that opportunity to love each other, um, in the way that Christ loves us, and so I was challenged in that this morning, and hopefully you were encouraged and challenged to do that also, so I'm going to close this in prayer, if you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for your word, and, um, thanks for that example that you are of, love that is so much greater than us, love that is bigger than um, just
putting our own interests first and putting others and especially our spouses in front of our own interests. And um, thank you for sacrificing yourself for us in that crazy way that you came so far, came from the heaven all the way down to earth and to die on a cross to show us um, what self-sacrificial love is. And, um, And that I just pray for that heart that is yours and pray for that heart of yours for those here this morning in your son's name. Amen.